Father, Father, we do give you thanks and praise as, as we recognize your amazing grace. Lord, the, 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 as we've gathered today on the first day of the week, remember it's because Jesus, our Lord and Savior, rose victoriously over sin and death on this first day of the week to offer the, the gift of eternal life that we have. We recognize that we don't deserve that gift. We, we didn't deserve it the day we were saved. We don't deserve it still today. When we woke up this morning, we, there's nothing that we've done to deserve that. But you've, you have bestowed us that, that gift of salvation, of, of forgiveness, of reconciliation with you, of, of justification, Lord, and that promise of glorification. You've bestowed us that purely by your grace. So, so we thank you that, that, that we can remember that. We thank you that especially on, on this first Sunday of the month when our, our, our church celebrates the Lord's Supper, that we can do that in remembrance of, of what you have done through the work of your Son. And, and Father, that you'd help us to remember that. You'd help us to, to remember what that means in our lives. And so thank you for the opportunity as well as we, as we continue to talk about this and what, how do we think about the, through, through what, what this means biblically this morning. And so we thank you for that. We give you praise. Pray that you would help us to understand your scriptures and to think, think wisely, Lord, as we would d- seek to know you more. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we've been talking about the church, and particularly we've been talking about the marks of the church, and that's this, this marks of the church, and part five on this, is that uh, we talked about that historically the two marks of the church have been the right preaching of God's word and the right administration of the ordinances. Ordinances is just a, a name of the things that Christ has ordained for the, the, the church to, to practice. It's the, the visible proclamation of the gospel through baptism, which we talked about. Baptism is the symbol of entry into Christ's community. And then we, then we started talking about communion, the Lord's Supper. And as we started talking about the Lord's Supper, we started with the biblical teachings. We, let's, we said, let's break down what the Bible teaches, first of all, about the Lord's Supper. Then we'll put the pieces together. And, you, and we said that you can find teaching on the Lord's Supper in two major locations. The first is in the Gospels. So in the Gospels, uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, you see the, 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 the teaching of the Lord's Supper as is, is, is Christ institutes the Lord's Supper in the midst of this Passover meal, right? So it's really the Lord's Supper is not just about, you know, that, that meal, but really what it brings also from some Passover imagery. Uh, it, it, so it's pointing, Passover, this exodus, is pointing towards this new exodus. There's this symbolism to the bread and the wine, like exodus would have symbolism to the Passover meal. And then Jesus says that we're to do this in remembrance of him. It's an act of remembrance uh, as we remember um, what he has done for us in his death and his resurrection. But we said that it's not just in the Gospels where we see this teaching extensively on communion. That, that tends to be where people go, which is true. It's about half, that's, about, you know, that's half the picture. But there's also this picture in 1 Corinthians where both in 1 Corinthians 10 and 1 Corinthians 11 speaks about the Lord's Supper. 1 Corinthians 10, Paul is grounding his argument about fleeing idolatry with this teaching about the Lord's Supper. And he's talking about this Lord's Supper should be regularly practiced by the church, or it was regularly practiced by the church. And this bread or cup was a participation, or that word is a communion, in or with Christ's body and blood. And we see that all of the church participates in this. All share one bread. And what does that bread do? It makes the many into one body. So in 1 Corinthians 10, Paul says that the Lord's Supper, that in the Lord's Supper, our fellowship as a church, it, 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 that Lord's Supper brings a unity of the church. It demonstrates that we are all participating in this together as a one church. 
And in the Lord's Supper, we are renewing our commitment to Christ, as we remember his death, but we're also renewing our commitment to one another. It's, it's not just a redemptive context, it's a community context that when we think of the Lord's Supper. And Paul goes on further in 1 Corinthians 11 to talk about that as well. And he says there's problems in the church here in Corinth. Well, not here, but there in Corinth. And he's saying there's such problems. It's almost worse when you get together. It's almost, if, if you could just say it's better not to go to church, it's almost, it's almost, almost hinting. It's almost like it'd be better that, for that to happen because it's so bad when you get together. And particularly when they got together to celebrate the Lord's Supper. It's because they, they, they had these divisions, especially being demonstrated when they would get together for the Lord's Supper. Um, and, and, and he reminds them what the Lord's Supper signifies, which is often what's quoted out of 1 Corinthians 11, is what the, it, it signifies the gospel, right? That the gospel, is, the, the Lord's Supper is a visible proclamation. It, it, when we take the Lord's Supper this morning, it, it's, a, it's a visible proclamation of the gospel. We, we, it's something we can literally see with our eyes as you're holding that bread and you're holding that cup in your hand. It's, it's, a, vis, it's a visible symbol of the gospel, it's a tangible symbol of the gospel as you are, are tasting that, as you're crunching it beneath your teeth. It's a, it's a tangible reminder of the gospel. But Paul is saying the gospel is not just about you. It's not just about you. The gospel has implications about if you are reconciled to God, that relationship you have with God has implications for your relationships with others. And that's why Paul is bringing up the here in 1 Corinthians, it's, it's saying that the communion has implications on this division that's going on in the church. And he talks about that they are taking the, the, the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. And we talked about that two weeks ago in the sense of saying, usually we say unworthy manner is that you have unrepentant sin. And that's not wrong. That, that you can get that from the context. If you are taking the Lord's Supper, you're denying the gospel in a way. If you're saying, you're not repenting of your sin. You're saying, I, it's, not that you, it's not that you have sin, but you're saying that I know that there's sin and I just don't care. I'm just not going to turn from it. I don't, care. I don't care if Christ died for that. It's actually saying that, that, that by your actions, you're not living out the gospel. But in this particular context, it's not just about unrepentant sin in general. Paul is saying that this unworthy manner is to take the Lord's Supper, he says, without discerning the body. And in the context of that chapter, he's talking about the body, the church body, which represents Christ's body. So either way you take it, he's saying that when, when you take the Lord's Supper without discerning this community context, this, this fellowship context, you're taking it in an unworthy manner. That, that this unworthy manner is when you neglect to love the church body, especially by allowing these divisions. If you have unforgiveness in your heart towards a, a fellow member in the church and you're taking communion this morning, that's an unworthy manner. If you have, you know, if you have a division, if you're, you're participating in divisions within the church, that's, that's taken in an unworthy manner. That's the, the, the immediate context of 1 Corinthians 11. And so Paul gives a solution there at the end of 1 Corinthians 11. As we looked at two weeks ago, he says, when you come together, he says that the, he's saying that the Lord's Supper is meant for the gathering of the church. It's not for divided parts of the church. It's not for, for just when a Bible study is together or when the, a, you go to a youth camp or you have a wedding or you, 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 just, you, you know, just have just as a family because it's not for the church divided. It's not for divisions within the church. The Lord's Supper is supposed to be a, a, not when the church is separating from each other. It's supposed to be a family meal to remind us that we're, we, our love for God is expressed in our love for one another. 
that in fact, he says we're to wait for one another. It's a meal for the whole church gathered as we wait for another, one another. So yes, Tony. I'm sorry to bother you on yeah. this, but um, we just had um, um, deacons or whatever they call them out this week, and of course the bishop does the Eucharist. Okay. It's just them. Yeah. That, is that also considered, you know, like you said, don't do it all in your Bible study mm-hmm. type things, being apart from the church. Because mm-hmm. I thought about that. I was thinking, yeah. oh, I wonder if Craig, you know, what Craig would think about or what that connotation, or because it's the body of leadership, yeah. is that permissible, you know? Yeah, and I would say, I would not go so far to say that someone, a church who does that, is a false church. Right, but what I would say is they're actually, they're actually applying this in, in what Paul would describe as an unworthy manner. And, and, and the fact, so so at our wedding, our wedding man and I had communion because it's like that that looks fun and that looks nice. People have done that, and so we did that. And then I later, as re, you know, just studying through this, thinking through, it, like, uh oh, you know. And it, I don't think it invalidates our wedding, or I don't think that. But what it does is it is it is it's it's saying. But what it does is it starts to separate us from the church. Right, and it starts to, to starts to divide, which again we see more and more. Right, where this this Christianity is becoming individualistic, where in the New Testament you have a personal relationship with God, but it's not just a personal relationship, right? That that so that there there that, that that Paul is specifically saying that there's something that that the way that we love God is worked out the way we love one another. That's First John, right? How do we love God who we don't see if we don't love our brothers who we do see? And so I would say, so I wouldn't say it's, it's something that's a, it's a false church. I would say it's it's a it's a disordered practice. Um, I would say, especially with certain traditions. I mean, um, within the Anglican Communion, and especially out of out of Episcopalian, especially you're you're bringing a lot of of almost sacramental practice. There's a lot of other issues I'd have probably there too in, in considering that. And so, now yeah. do our elders? Do you guys ever participate in? We would, I, you know, we, we've talked before in the last few weeks, we would see uh, a ministry in the sense of, of shut-ins, of people who, who oh, well, yeah, yeah, but yeah, that, I understand that, oh, what was it, the, just, just the elders, yeah. no, no, no. Okay, good. yeah, and I would, I would say, um, and, and if that was a suggestion, I would be like, this is, this is not good because Paul, okay. Paul is saying that, again, it's, because then what it's doing is saying, because it's that separation saying, well, yes, yes, we have the whole church body, but this, this is what's important here, yeah. right? I mean, there, there's an aspect. It starts, to, it starts to create some divisions. It starts to and, – and, and the communion is meant to bring – First Corinthians 10, First Corinthians 10, make the many one, right? It, it, it's, both, it's, it's, it's this aspect. It's a unifying aspect of, of the church. And so, um, and so I think there are other, other ways – to be able to to bring about community in those smaller groups, I don't think there's anything wrong with it, smaller groups in a, a Bible study or within individual biological families or or within um, you know different you know elder board or deacon board. I I don't think there's I think there's other ways. I think what you're doing is you're taking a practice that that Paul is making saying here is meant for the the, the whole church, and you're you're misapplying it in in, in in this in this other way. And so yeah yeah Corey. Like uh, communion for the shut Yeah, it's it's been either an elder or a deacon, and so and that just just it depends on on the situation. So it, it, there's not a, a I wouldn't say that there's a common right. 
common standard practice. Yeah, yeah. But I think, and I would say, you know, in studying this, that people would go either way on that. But I, I think I would go, and our church would go in a way of sense of saying that um, it's not that they are intentionally trying to not be there, right? So that there's a way of, it, of, of incorporating them in. Yeah, 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 yeah. So. In Corinth, it, he doesn't say. Um, he says that some were getting drunk while others were going without because it was it was done within the context of a meal. So it's probably in the sense there was a church service and there was some sort of church meal together. And, and as people brought their food, and then in that in that context, you know that they'd have the almost like the Last Supper, they'd have the communion as part of this church meal. And so that there is this this some people that would you know probably the richer people right would would have it's probably a, a richer poor possibly that's what a lot of commentators think they would have a lot of food they'd have there's things and then they basically eat all the food while there's other people there sitting without anything and so when it's time to take up the communion they've got plenty to celebrate with and there's they, they wouldn't, wouldn't share anything with others and so there's probably a division between rich or poor possibly um you know richer versus versus you know slaves that are in the you know or, or bond servants in the community they're probably thinking some sort of socioeconomic division but it's it's it, paul doesn't make it clear paul's point because even going back to first, earlier in First Corinthians, he's saying there's theological divisions, but the, basically that there are these, these these different types of divisions within. So th- that's kind of trying to reconstruct a little bit what was going on, but that's probably what was was suggested. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Paul, in his point, and when he's talking about it, he doesn't point out necessarily the actual divisions. He does point out what was happening, but he, he's applying this to the broad category of divisions within the body of Christ. He's saying that the communion is actually, it's, it's, it's bad enough that there's divisions, but the, the fact that there's divisions and you're participating in this communion while that's happening, that, that's a misapplying because he had just said in 1 Corinthians 10, what communion does, it, it displays the unity of the body. It displays that it makes the many one, is that we are all one body as we partake in that, that one, one bread together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's probably true, too. Yeah. Maybe they were backwards. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> oh, potlucking? Yeah. Or, yeah. <laughs> um, and so now that we've thought about the biblical context, here's what I want to do this morning. Here's our puzzle pieces, right? Here's our puzzle pieces of the biblical teaching about communion, about the Lord's Supper. Now let's put this into a theological considerations, right? I think this is the right way to do it. I know that most theology books don't do it that, always do it that way, but I think this is how I like to handle it. You know, here's, here's what the Bible says. Now let's think about what does this mean? How do we put those pieces together? How do we answer some different questions that we have as we think through actually the outworkings of the Lord's Supper in the church? And so um, let's think, first of all, just, just, just go through... Uh, how do we define this, right? I do a lot of talking and a lot of this and a lot of that. This, I, my, one of the, the best definitions I've found, there's, I have several books and I was looking at, I do like Bobby Jameson's definition. It's, it's simple and yet it's not, it's, not it's, 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 it's succinct, but it's not simple, I guess you'd say. It, it, it has the elements you need, but it's not overwordy. But I think that in every, every aspect of this has, has some importance of trying to communicate this biblical um, context. So here's what, how Bobby Jameson would define it. And I think it's good. This isn't scripture, but I think it's a good way to theologically put the puzzle pieces together. He says this, The Lord's Supper as a church's act of communing with Christ and each other and of commemorating Christ's death by partaking of, of bread and wine. 
And a believer's act of receiving Christ's benefits and renewing his or her commitments to Christ and his people, thereby making the church one body and marking it off from the world. Let's just briefly show how what we talked about, what we just reviewed, is just reflected in this. It's a church's act. Right? First Corinthians 11. It's for the local church together to do as one body, not divisions from the body. It's celebrated by the church as the church. It's communing with Christ and with each other. That's that First Corinthians 10. We, we share in the body and blood of Christ. That I think the King James uh, translates that. It can be translated the communion with the body and blood of Christ. Um, and so that we are considering that right fellowship that we have with Christ and with God based on his salvation for us. It's also not just about the redemptive communion with Christ. It's also about our, 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 our uh, communing with one another. It's not just I'm having a personal meal with Jesus with a bunch of other people in the room, right? That, that, that can be kind of today's focus though, right? I'm having my time with Jesus and there's just other people around, but I don't really care about them. They don't matter to me. Because it's just about me and Jesus. And what Paul's saying is that our time of communion is about you and Jesus. But because of you and Jesus, it makes you want to, you should consider how are you loving the people that are around you as well. That they matter to us because of our relationship we have with, uh, with me and Jesus. Right? He's a personal savior, but it's not only a personal relationship. Our relationship with Christ necessitates relationship with fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. It commemorates Christ's death, right? Do this in remembrance of me. Um, as we think about the past act of redemption, what that means for our current identity in Christ and what that means for that promise, future promise of the coming kingdom. Uh, bread and wine, those, the metaphorical signs that Jesus gives significance. We'll, we'll talk about, does it have to be wine? Does it have to be unleavened bread? We'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, it's a believer's act, right? So it, it is a church act but it's also an individual act, right? We're not saying this is just a, a church thing, that there is that, it's not to deny the individual, that there's an individual act of, it's only for those who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ, right? That just because they come here, it does not mean that, that, that okay, you just take communion because you're, you're here on Sunday morning. It's, it actually is for those who are believers, and, and, and those who are believers need to be considering first, are you taking this in a worthy or unworthy manner? There's an individual responsibility involved as well. Where we receive Christ's benefits, 1 Corinthians 10, right? We share in his body and blood. Um, renewing our commitment to Christ and his people. Uh, Mark 14, Jesus says, this is the blood of the new covenant. He's made a new covenant with us. And, and, and so we we're remembering that new covenant. And it's almost like when we take the Lord's Supper that we are reaffirming, yes, that we have this new covenant, that Jesus is my Savior, that Jesus is my Lord. And we also remember that that new covenant necessitates our love for others. As First John, as I tried to quote earlier, First John 4.20 says, If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who is, does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And it makes the church one body, marking it off for the world. That's 1 Corinthians 10. This says it, it, it makes the many one. So that's, that's just a simple definition as, uh, that, that, uh, that we can work with as we've been with the, the, the biblical evidence. Any questions so far? Let me stop there before we look at our next few questions here. Questions, thoughts, comments? When yeah. they were having communion as their, their churches and stuff, where were the women involved in that? We don't know. Um, in, in, what, in what way? 
I mean, were they sitting down with everyone having the meal with them, or were they? I don't know. I mean, I just wonder. I just wonder because, as like in the Jewish communities, a lot of them they're separated out. Yeah, it was. They're separated in the temple. I mean, I don't know if in regular fellowship, if I can remember any instance. And, and, and if, I, if I'm missing something, please, please, if anyone knows, go ahead and correct me. In, in a communal church aspect, I don't, I don't think so. I also think that particularly in Paul's emphasis that in Christ, there is no male, female, Jew, Gentile, this aspect of unity. I, I highly doubt it. Um, you know, and, and especially the, the, also the fact that it, it was in a, in a meal setting. You know, I just, it just makes me think that it's, it's, I, I'm, 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 I'm going through implications, right? There's, right. Because it's, it's just an argument from silence. But I, I think that they're, that, that, that it's looking at, 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 a, at a full community. So It does say that you come together as a church. So come together, yes. Yeah. So, you know, I, I'm thinking, you know, uh, at that time, the Christians, they had men and women. Yeah. It's not like, yeah. like they separated. Yeah, so it's a good question. I don't think so. And, in fact, I think that would be, that would be one of the ways that he'd probably be speaking against. I mean, again, it's argument from silence. But he's, he's really saying that there's division. If you're saying, you know, that, that he's really, that's his point, that, that the Lord's Supper is really not to be about division. It's about the, right. the unity of the body. Yeah. And when we go back, because it's sort of the fulfillment of the Passover. Yes. Passover is at the family table. Yes. Which would be. Yeah. Yes, the whole family. Yes, yeah, that's right. And so, and so when you say this, it's, it's, it's within the family of the body of Christ, right? Of, of, God's, of God's redemptive family. And so, yeah. 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 Let's look at a couple questions. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I guess, um, I know we, we, we know that taking communion does not give me access yes. into Christ's benefit. Yes. But it, 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 if you wanted to read it that way... I yeah, yeah, I, I, I noticed that wording. I thought about that wording, too. Actually, I, I, wouldn't, I, I wrote something down on there. It would sound better if, if it said something like a believer... Yeah, and it's like, do you do you have do you have are you partaking participating in those benefits before you take the supper? Right? If I don't, if we don't, take, but right now before we've taken the communion, do we participate in the Christ benefits? Yes, and and I don't think that he's denying that. But what he is saying is that there is a a way that that Christ has called us in remembrance of Him regularly that to to really renew and be supported and strengthened of what what those benefits are. In the same way, in the sense of I, I could say you could say similar with preaching, right? Is that before the preached word, you, you, you experience the benefits of being in Christ. So then why do we need to, to preach the word, right? And so that we would be renewed of those benefits, that we would that, you know, be renewed and reminded and strengthened as we live out in that. And so, Which is great for the second part of that phrase. But if I take communion, saying yeah. that this is my act of receiving Christ's benefits. Yes, yeah. yes. Well, no. Yeah. It's not the, this act does not... <coughs> Yes, it is a benefit. It's, it's a metaphorical benefit. Yeah. It's a relational benefit. Um, but what's the big benefit we get from Christ? Yeah. It's salvation. Yeah. So this act is not my receiving salvation. True. Yeah. So there is there is the rub for me. And yeah. Just look at the word. Yeah. Yeah. I can understand that. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we know that's not. I think it's probably true if you follow the sacrificial because I believe they're sacrificial. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I don't think he's he's trying to. I, I can see I can, can read it that way, but yeah, he's not trying to in a sacramental way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Let's look here at what is the manner? How, how, how should it be practiced? Let's, let's start with what are clear. Clear things in scripture. That, that, we, that it should be practiced in remembrance of him. Right? That the communion should be done is a, a meaning of remembrance. We also, she, it should be done as a whole church. We should wait for each other to be another whole church. That's what's clear. There's other issues of the communion that are not as clear. That I would say that there are, are ways for churches to differ and disagree because scripture is not as clear. So one of the things is what particular food elements must be used, right? Does it need to be unleavened bread? No. no. Now, there are times when there's unleavened being brought out of the importance and the exodus and those sort of things, but not... Not in 1 Corinthians 10 or 11, right? That that is not in the context. It is, it is not, it is not part of the symbolism that Jesus gives it, right? In the same way, does the communion have to be with wine? No. It's not part of the immediate symbolism, right? That there are, but we do need to ask, what are the reasons that we are not doing it? I mean, it's easy to say, okay, we're going to use Hawaiian bread because it tastes good, right? <laughs> I, I don't think it's wrong, but I do think we should ask the question, why? Why? And so, yeah. So when a youth pastor, who mm-hmm. I heard in the room, my pastor, mm-hmm. uses soda pop as the baby chip, mm-hmm. I've, heard pastor, I've heard that new thing, mm-hmm. but, but it's... it's being done under, you know, I think biblically there's more of an issue with that yeah. than with the elements. The, the, the bigger issue, I think, for Paul would right. be the context of it, that you're separating out the youth, the youth from, the, from the church mm-hmm. than, rather than the elements. I would say, as far as the elements, if we came this morning and... Are, John, are you still head of communion? Are you still deacon? John's like, we're going to do soda pop and, 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 and Lay's chips this morning. Uh, <laughs> I don't think he's being unbiblical. I do think there's a question. It's a wisdom question, right? Of why? What, what, what's the reason for that? I mean, they, and I think there's reasons that people have. Here's why we're doing grape juice instead of wine. And, and, and others would say we want to do wine and not grape juice, right? There you go. Uh, but it's just, it's, it's, you'd rather have soda pop, I know. Um, and so it's just, it, it's just a question of why. It's just, it's, but those are wisdom questions, right? Yeah. When he said bread, I mean, uh, was it literally bread he was referring to? It was, it was. Yes. And it was in the, historically, it was in the context of, of um, a Passover. So there'd be no leaven in the Jewish household. So it would be, it would be unleavened bread. And so that's why we typically do a similar bread, and like a matzah type bread. Um, but I would say that's not, that's not essential to the symbolism. There, there, there are times when Paul picks up on that unleavened symbolism in the Exodus, but never when explicitly talking about the communion. Well, I'm thinking of, uh, in terms of bread and bread, you know, food. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, there, there is a symbolism of a, and that's, I guess the potato chips would be a problem there. There isn't symbolism of something that is broken into pieces that we, that constitutes the one loaf. And I didn't think about that. Um, that whether it's, cause that's the difference. If you used, um, French bread, it's similar. It's one bread loaf that's broken into pieces, one matzah loaf that's broken, you know, matzah that's broken into pieces. So I, I, I guess it's one potato. That's true. There you go. Good point. There you go. He does. Although I don't necessarily 
bring up that symbolism while I'm taking communion. And that's, and that's what I'm saying. The, and Paul talks about that. Get rid of the leaven and you know, this, in 1 Corinthians 5. But it's not, he doesn't talk about in the communion context, right? He's talking about in a, in a, in a, in a, in a Passover context. And so, um, so that's why, you know, th- that's not as big of an issue. I mean, it's, it's, it's just something to think of wisdom why. Uh, here's another question. How often should you take the communion? It doesn't give a frequency. All it says is, do this as often. It's, it's, it's just, it's, so there should be some regularity, right? It shouldn't just be, oh man, it's been like 10 years since we've taken the communion. We should probably do that, right? It's, it's, there should be some regularity, but there's a lot of flexibility. If a church does it weekly or monthly or quarterly, again, I think it's a wisdom question of why. We just don't do good with that. It's like we want to torch somebody because they're doing it. Yeah, yeah. Or, or not doing it or, yeah. Oh, my gosh. There should be some regularity, but it doesn't say how often. I know churches that do it yearly. Okay. You know, and, and, and there's just, you have to, my question would be is why, right? And, and, and there's some different contexts. Um, you know, and, and maybe one of those contexts, and at least one of the churches I know that do that is because it's a, a, a you know, a larger church and multiple services and trying to do an evening service and getting everyone there for the community. You know, just different things of considerations. And so, um, third, um, uh, what time of the service should you do it, right? Should you do it before the preaching or after the preaching? Again, it doesn't say. Interesting enough, Corinthian church is probably after the preaching, right? Because they did it in the course of a meal. Because I would say they did it in the course of a meal, which was probably after the, mm-hmm. after the service, and then they sang sing a hymn Yeah. left. yeah. So, so again, it doesn't say that you that the the, the mode doesn't have to be that way, but it is interesting that that's that's how they do that. Um, and, and you know, does it does you? And then there's different churches that do different how, how the procedures of the bread and cup. I would say the one issue is that again, I don't say it's wrong. I just would be careful with of the fact that it's just an individual, right? Each person by individual comes up and they do their own personal bread and their own personal cup, especially sometimes it's mediated by the pastor. It's very, very, as we're saying, sacramental, very Roman Catholic in sense of, of, of that, that it's the priest or the pastor that's giving this to you. Um, I think that there's, there's a few issues there and it loses the symbolism as we do this together. But the fact of some churches like ours will we'll pass it all out. We, we take the, the bread all together. We pass it all out. We take the cup all together. I think it's good. There's some churches that they pass it all out and they, they do the bread individually and then they, they, they take the cup together. I think that's fine too. Right? It doesn't say. It just doesn't say. And so I think there's, there's ways that we can disagree and just think, why? And, and so, but there's some, there's some areas that are not as clear in scripture. I think there's a lot of freedom for churches to use wisdom. And, and what is that? And how do we do that? And so, yeah. Yeah. No, you're fine. Um, what about, like, we go back to the home church. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Grandma and everybody. And we partake in the communion yeah. there for Sunday. Yeah. You know, we just don't think of it at all. Or in the respect that I've gone to another church. Can I put a pin in that real quick? Yeah. Because we're going to get there literally next. <laughs> so let's, let's, let's look at that next then. And just, just so I can answer Tony's question. Who... Who should participate in the Lord's Supper? Let's talk again about agreements. Agreements, biblical agreements by most Christian positions. The, 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 the Bible would say that the Lord's Supper is for believers, right? It's not a sacrament of receiving grace. It's not for unbelievers to get a little bit of grace. It's for those who remember that they have, people in Christ who have remember that they have received grace. These are four people that are participants of the new covenant, also that most churches would, would agree that the Lord's Supper is for baptized believers, right? Baptism is the first act of obedience, 
Right? Baptism is the, 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 the first commitment to Christ and to the church. And, and it, 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 it's the first act as a, as a believer. And, and if you haven't been baptized, in most cases you would say, well, you're, you're not doing what God's already called you to do. So how then you can, you know, are you, you continuing with this, this other ordinance? And so that's what most would agree on as a part of agreements. Disagreements. I would say none of these are unbiblical. Again, there's, there's some just disagreements between what's called open communion, closed communion, and close communion. And Tony, this will answer your question. Is it, there's not an easy answer because people would differ on that. Um, and, and so, um, open communion, this is what's practiced, actually, that we would practice here at OEFC, is that it's basically anyone who claims they're a believer can participate. I mean, that's pretty much what, what we've, we've, we've said. There's pros and cons to this position. The pro to this position is it recognizes that there are other churches outside of Oakhurst EV Free that preach the gospel, right? Here's the cons of that position. The cons of that position is that it means that it puts, it places affirmation on one, on, on someone's um, salvation on my own opinion. If I say I'm saved, then that means I, I, you know, it's up to me to decide whether or not I should take the communion. It, it's, it's the fact of I might not really believe the, the, the same gospel, but I, I, I can still take the communion. Or the other problem with this is it actually means you, you really can't connect the communion with, with church discipline, which is what Paul does in, in 1 Corinthians 5. And so because of the fact of saying with, with church discipline, what you're saying is that someone by church discipline, it's not saying don't come to church. Right? When someone is living in unrepentant sin, if someone is saying, I'm a believer, I'm saying I'm a believer, but I don't care, I'm going to keep cheating on my wife. And we would say, you may claim to be a believer, but we cannot recognize your testimony as a believer. We do, but in church discipline, we're not saying, don't ever come through the church building again. That's not what church discipline is. We want them to come to church. We want them to hear the gospel. But the problem is, is that when they come, they would say, I'm a believer which means that we're saying, and then we give them the communion saying, yeah, sure, you're a believer. And so there's some problems with church discipline. I would say that that practice in church discipline makes it, makes it very difficult um, and, and to mark out in 1 Corinthians 5 sense of the, of the local church body. Um, some people take that, that open communion and they, 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 I would say, overcorrect. And it's called closed ED, closed communion closed communion, the sense that only members of that particular congregation can partake. So in Tony's questions, that there are certain churches that would say, you know, only if you're a member of this church, you can, you can partake in the communion. Not in a coercive way. And, and I've, I've, you know, I've been to a lot of those churches, but you know, I know some of them. It's not in the sense where if Ron was going to take communion and John was serving and Ron took some bread, John would take the bread out of him. And... <laughs> right? It's not in a coercive way, but in a declarative way. Right? It's saying, Ron may choose to take communion, but we're declaring who this is for. And if you are doing something different then that, that is, that is, is really a, a, at your own, that's not what the church is affirming, is of, of your own um, kind of autonomy. Um, yes? Well, let, let's get there. We'll get there. Okay, yeah. Let, let, let's go through that and we can get to children at the end. Um, the pros of this, it does take some of those considerations and the problems of open communion seriously. That, that's the fact of we are not, our, you know, that, that with baptism, right, that we just aren't, aren't saying I'm saved because I think I'm saved. I'm saved because of the Jesus I believe in is the right Jesus. That there is a, in, 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 in Matthew, in Matthew 16, Matthew 18, there is this aspect of there is a true gospel that's recognized by the church. 
Um, it also allows for, for a, a, I think, a healthy church discipline. And the church discipline, in, in, in what it's been historically, in the sense of church discipline, is not shunning. It's not a shunning. It is a, 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 a saying, we love you, but you are not living out as a Christian. We cannot recognize your Christian testimony. We want you here. We want you to hear the gospel. We want to love you, but we can't recognize that you're a believer unless you repent of your sin because believers repent. So it gives a healthy balance of what church discipline is. And it marks out the church as distinct from the world, which is uh, what church discipline is meant to do in 1 Corinthians 5. Um, the cons, the problems with that position is it kind of treats sometimes, it, it, does, it does treat saying, this church is really the only thing that matters. It, can, it really can, can communicate that, right? And it also, I would say, goes against the example of Scripture. In Acts 20, Paul and Luke visit Troas. So they're, they're missionaries from another congregation. They go to Troas, and it says that they, they participate in, in, um, in this, this, this. It seems like they partake in the Lord's Supper there in Troas with the church in Troas. So, I, and, 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 and here, and, and I, I, this is one of the few areas I would differ from the, the common practice of our church, and I'm okay to differ, is that, is that I, I think that most biblical positions was called close communion. Close communion. And that's by saying that communion is for any baptized believer who's a member of any believing gospel church, right? So that if you, if you're, if you have family that's visiting, if someone that's visiting, um, those sort of things that, 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 yeah, then that, 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 you know, it's the aspect of, of that you are, you are in right standing with, with the church, not just our church, but a gospel believing church that, that, um, that you're not under church discipline, that, that someone has heard that of, of, of the gospel that you're professing. And yeah, it's the same thing the Bible says, right? Um, and, it, and, it, and it has the pros of taking seriously the biblical instructions about the Lord's Supper and also recognize that there are other churches besides Oakhurst DB Free. And, and you know, as I said, this is a difference I have. I'm okay to differ. I'm, I'm not you know, looking to, to push any issues here, but um, I, that's, I think that's the strongest issue. But it's, it's one where, where within Christianity, within Christians, we, we would disagree. Um, now, Tony, back to your question about children. Um, okay, we're doing, okay. Um, we're, we're talking about children. Um, I, I think, first of all, you, there's, there's the aspect that most recognize is saying it's connected to baptism. So if they have not been baptized, they shouldn't take the Lord's Supper. Um, then the, and the fact of it, the, the baptism is the, the, the symbolism of that the entry into, into the church, right, is the first act. And then, and, and then the, the, the Lord's Supper is really that renewing of that, that baptism proclamation, right? And so I, I think that there's that aspect of, of that um, if you've not been baptized, you, you should not take the Lord's Supper. So, um, and, and so I think there's that. I also think that there is a connection that, and, and, and I think there's more issues with baptism and what does baptism mean? Again, baptism is not just individual. Baptism in the New Testament links you to the body of Christ, Right, and so, so I, I think that, that baptism should be considered of of when are you when when a church baptizes a church also should consider membership and a church also should be able in the place of doing church discipline, and so do you want to be church disciplining a twelve year old? Mm-hmm. And and I think there's some. Even, you know, I know with my children when I knew they accepted Christ, they partook in communion. Yeah, yeah. And and yet we wanted to make sure their baptism. What they knew. Yeah. They knew, they knew. Yeah. Not just, I love Jesus. Yeah. He's in my heart. Yeah. You know. But um, what communion is, is it is that renewal of that baptism profession, right? right. Baptism is that proclamation, is that, 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 that it really, it's making um, the, the, 
uh, it's, it's adding the, 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 the many into the one, right? It's adding people, the one, in, the one into the many, and then it's just that continual re, so in a way that, that as we take communion, it's that continual proclamation. It's, it's almost, it's not a rebaptism, but in a way it is. You don't have to get rebaptized because that's what communion is meant to be. In the sense of this, this continual reaffirmation of the church is, is part of the church that, that um, they're recognizing. I believe in the right gospel, and that I'm living that out. Uh, that, you know, and that, and that so the, the church is, is really giving that affirmation to me, and I have that affirmation as, and, and, and as I'm proclaiming that with the Lord's I'm taking. And so it's it's in a way that you're you you it's, it's, so you're trying to separate two things there, saying, well, we're waiting for baptism until they're really sure, but we're going to give them communion when it actually is communicating the same thing. And so yeah. I didn't either. Yeah, and and, and, and so, um, but they're just things that, this, yeah, yeah. I would not, I would not church discipline someone who chose differently. I mean, very, but I would say that that it's, um, but that's even, and again, we don't, we don't sit there and, and we don't ask John and and the deacons to say, you know, here's your list of people and you better check these things. We do it through, pro, we don't do it in a coercive way. We do it in a proclaimed way. So this morning, when I, and I'm leading the communion, I'll say, this is for those who who have been baptized and da 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 da. da. And, and I don't have to make it clear in all the exceptions. And then, then really it's for people, to, it's, you know, as, as, as they, as they um, respond in that. So, yeah. 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 Um, okay, for time's sake, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to move on. Sorry if there's other questions. Um, real quick, how should we approach? This, this is just, let's land here as we think about this, just providentially for this morning. When you come to the Lord's Supper, for this morning when we take it, what, how do we approach it? What should we think? Um, Bobby Jameson gives four suggestions. I think these are great. Look to the cross, look around, look ahead, look inward and back to the cross. I love these. Look to the cross. Remember Christ. We do this in remembrance of him. His body was broken, his blood was shed in your place as your substitute. He bore the wrath we deserve. If you think your sins are too big, Jesus bore our punishment. Right? There's those times you're thinking, my, my, how could Jesus forgive me? And this means a reminder that he said, it is finished. Every sin has been paid for. We are saved purely by the grace of God. You, you look to the cross and, and you should rejoice and you should be, just be filled with wonder and awe and thanksgiving as you remember Christ. Second of all, just not just about you and Jesus. Look around. That the Lord's Supper is a family meal. It reminds us we're not alone. We're not alone. Sometimes in this world as a Christian, it, it can be very lonely because it's just saying, am I the only one that just is sane here? Right? And we're not alone. It reminds us that, we, that our fellowship with Christ has brought us into fellowship with this body of, body of God. It's not just a private devotional meal with just a bunch of other people in the room with you, right? It, it, it's a time to marvel at what God has done in you and to marvel in what God has done in the body of Christ. To rejoice in the unity in a, in a very diverse body. I love what James has said. He says, the differences that threaten to divide us are nothing compared to the blood of Christ shed to save us and unite us. There, without Christ, there, there, we should not be the group of people that we are gathering together every week. We have too many differences. And yet the, the blood of Christ has united us. If, if you're harboring unforgiveness, if you're harboring any sorts of division within the body, you need to repent and deal with them. At least Romans says as far as it depends on you um, so that you're not taking it in an unworthy manner. Um, and then look ahead. Matthew 26, 29. Jesus says, I will not drink this cup until, uh, until I drink it with you. Right? And, and, and talking about the celebration of the marriage supper of the Lamb. There's a day that's coming when, when this is like a foretaste, right? That we, we have the already of the kingdom, but what, when, when is the, the, all the promises coming? And Jesus says, when we take communion, it's a reminder, he's going to fulfill those promises, that it's coming. 
that, he's, that God is saving the best for last. So we take in hope and expectation. And finally, look inward and back to the cross. It is a time to examine ourselves. It is a time to say, are there areas in my life where, where I am, 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 am sinning against God and need to, to, to confess and repent to God? But it's not just introspection. That we, where, where do we take that sin? Where do we take if we start to feel that guilt? We take it to the cross. We like inward, but it's not just about me. We take that inward sin. We take that inward guilt. We look to the cross um, as we remember his body and, and blood broken and shed for you. Let me read real quick this last quote. Jameson says, the point of the Lord's Supper is the gospel. The gospel frees us from sin. The gospel reconciles us to God. The gospel gives us God for our father, Jesus, for our elder brother, and all the saints as brothers and sisters. The gospel unites us to Christ and to each other. And the Lord's Supper pictures and presents all this to us, to our sight, to our touch, to our taste. In the Lord's Supper, we commune with Christ and therefore with his people. When we eat the bread and drink the cup, we reaffirm our trust in Christ and our commitment to his people. When we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we embrace Christ all over again, and we also embrace all who are his. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you, and we thank you for this, this gift of remembrance. You know that we need to remember it. We know that you know that we need to remember it not only for our own lives, but, Lord, to, to, to continue to maintain and preserve the unity of the Spirit for the bond of, in the bond of peace, Lord. So, Father, we pray that you would do that this morning. And We thank you, and we give all glory and praise to you. In Jesus' name, amen.